0: Science is real from the big bang to DNA Science is real from evolution
1: to the Milky Way Ladies and gentlemen you're listening to the science of the local podcast my name is Hamish Clark and I'm joined once more by my partner in science Kevin Joseph Kevin how are you
2: I'm great Hamish
1: Good to be here Look I loved talking about those questions from the Edge Question Center so much last time that I was hoping we could continue the convo this time around. How does that sound?
2: That sounds great,
1: yeah. Excellent questions. Sorry, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, check out our last episode um, where Kevin and I discussed some of the questions you can find at the website edge.org, which is run by a literary agent, John Brockman. Um, and he's got lots of high-profile and low-profile scientist clients who get together and, among other things, answer uh, a question every year. Um, uh, they actually get pulled together into a book, which is very clever of John to do. Um, I borrowed a few of them, and it's it's like the, the perfect kind of science magazine-style reading. Each answer is only a page or two long, generally, so you can get through it. There's lots of, lots of interesting ideas in there. Um, Uh, I'm a big fan of taking what you like from a book or or whatever, not just rejecting it out of hand. The whole thing might be mostly crap, but if there's one or two gems in it, I'll I'll gladly accept them. I I feel a bit bit that way with comedy. I can handle a completely crappy B-grade movie, but if there's three or four high-quality laughs, then that's uh, more than enough for me. Um, So anyway, I I feel a little bit like that with some of the responses to these questions. Obviously, the responses of you and I, Kevin, will be will be five oh, star all the way. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, am I right in thinking that you noticed a few that uh, triggered triggered a few thoughts? Yourself? Yeah, there are a
2: couple of the questions that I, I thought really were um, difficult and kind yes. of I read them, kind of went away. And during the course of the day, I kept kind of coming back to the question, saying, well, I don't know, what's a good answer? So the 2013 question was, what should we be worried <laughs> about? <laughs> That's I mean, a that great one, question. Really, I mean, I think I was thinking about that for, you know, for days. I'd you know I'd be in line at the supermarket and uh, I'd be thinking, I don't know what at, you know what is that? What's a, what's a good response to that question? Mm-hmm. So, um, do you want to have a crack at that one, Hamish? Yeah. to I'd, I'd
1: be quite happy to. Look, yep. um, I don't have a, a, a single simple answer, but I can certainly reel off a few. Um, climate change is a simple one, mm. a little bit corny, even though um you know I consider myself a climate change scientist. It's it's real, folks. Trust me. Yes. Um, but uh, it's not the be all and end all. Uh, you know, a solution to climate change won't necessarily solve all problems of, of you know human existence. But it it's up there. Um, I I think one of the things that I've kind of come to over a long period of time is is just the relationship of humans with the world that we live in. Um, That's something that I think has perhaps gone a little askew, uh, become a little fractured in some ways. Um, So if I was going to nominate something to worry about, it might be our relationship to the world around us. Um, I think David Suzuki has put it beautifully. um, We are basically the environment. There's no line between us and the environment. Whatever we do to the environment, we do to ourselves uh, and him and some other people have come up with this cool thing uh, they call the declaration of interdependence uh, which says oh, hey happened. we kind of depend on each other uh, we all need clean air we all need clean water we all need soil you know we need biodiversity um, and so it's not a human centric kind of uh, way of looking at things but yeah it's great so um, there are a couple of things but uh I mean, I could, oh, just, I, I could pick up a tabloid and tell you 25 things that we could also be worried about, you know, Yes. T- terrorism and crime and, you know, people doing nasty things to each other. And, yeah, but there's, there's a few. <laughs> I think that's a great ones. Um, I think, you know, like I said, this
2: really had me, this question kind mm. of, I couldn't get it out of my mind. Mm. It, the thing that prob- I kept coming back to for me um, that, probably best kind of summed up my anxieties
0: mm.
2: was orthodoxy. I feel like mm. that is, I think the concept you know, every, every thought tended to come back to some version of orthodoxy that mm-hmm. at times we, you know, um, uh, we get swept up in these moments where this is accept the truth. This, you must believe this is the normal, this is the current that you're swimming in. Mm. And, um, and sometimes maybe we close our eyes, you know, mm-hmm. even for a fraction of, of a moment or for a few years or for a few decades and you know, we just kinda go along with the current. Mm. Yeah. And That's so I see it in science and you know, in education and yeah, in lots of different fields in health where we it feels like uh, we probably do close close our eyes and um, and just swim with the current and that, mm. that can be very dangerous because um we end up in places yes maybe we
1: uh we didn't mean, we, mean right. to end up yeah um right. the status quo is that another way of kind of yeah, describing absolutely. the orthodoxy yeah. yeah yeah it's it's pernicious it's um it's very what's the word i'm looking for it's kind of it's hard to detect because it's just part of the furniture you know you have to look hard you need to kind of Look with pretend you're an alien coming to Earth and and ask well, why are they doing this? What's going on? Because as you say, you get so swept up in the current of things that you can't even recognise that what you're doing is is certain decisions were made, whether conscious or not. Yeah. That's a hard one too, challenging it because That's right, yeah. It requires a lot of a lot of effort, I suppose.
2: And it's vigilance. In terms mm-hmm. of also just constantly saying, uh, actually challenging yourself and your point of view and mm-hmm. saying, mm-hmm. I believe this now, but maybe I won't believe that and believe the same thing in five years, that I, mm-hmm. I need to keep looking and I need to keep questioning and searching for you know, mm-hmm. bigger truths. And mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's after about, a, it took me literally about
1: a week to, <laughs>
2: it really, I couldn't get this question out That's of a good mind. one.
1: That's a good <laughs> one. Yeah, uh, I like your response to that one. Um, uh, well look listeners if you have any ideas of what we should be worried about feel free to get in touch with us on Facebook we have uh, an active Facebook community we like hearing from you and sharing news about what we're up to so if you ever have any thoughts on these uh, podcasts or anything else please drop us a line Um, were there any other questions that uh, tickled your fancy Kevin
2: Um, yeah the 2016 question about uh, what do you consider the most interesting recent scientific news and what makes it important?
1: Okay, so pretty uh, pretty concrete one there, quite down to earth. Yeah, and um, that one
2: came up, to, comes up, came to mind because as a teacher, um, mm. it's you know I'm constantly trying to, um, you know, exude the relevance and kind of talk <laughs> up the relevance of science and yeah, um, why my students one. should, mm. you know, be really interested in um, scientific history as well as um, the current events, the news. Mm. etc
1: can and, I uh, can hmm. I tell you a secret Kevin I am um, I struggle very badly to come up with irrelevance I just if I find something yeah. interesting it's interesting and I'm terrible at persuading other people that they should be interested in it too <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think that's actually the question I probably get most asked most you know, as a teacher just that mm. you know why should so why should I mm. why should I so um yeah, why are we learning this, sir?
1: Yeah, bloody hell! <laughs> yeah, no, it's every day, pretty much. <laughs> well, look, it's good that they're questioning the orthodoxy, I suppose. But um, yes, that is. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's hard for you. You can give a kind of a, the, a, the scaffolding type answer, which I like about science. Is everything's kind of built on on it? On that's right. Yeah. On our understanding of different fields, and so if you want to know, you know, about the way the world works, well, then it's important to know a bit about. This biology here, or this chemistry here, or this physics there, but then you're appealing to something in someone which just might not be there. You know, they might be interested purely for, you know, sexy or cool reasons, or they might be interested purely for commercial reasons. You know, there's a big push from the government, <clears throat> many governments around the world, to you know turning science to commercial advantage, uh, which is fine, um, but I think it's potentially not the only, you know, use of science. Uh, turning in into, into, you know, business gains. So yeah, why is it important? That's, that's a tough one.
2: Yeah. Well, at times, look, I mean, trade secret, the reality is sometimes I do have to say, well, nerds are cool and, um, <laughs> that's why.
1: <laughs> and does anyone buy that particular explanation? No,
2: I think maybe two people in the history of mankind.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I used to do some freelance writing uh, for the magazine uh, Cosmos, not to be confused with the magazine Cosmo. Um, and I had to write uh, a lot of science news stories, and they followed a very specific formula. Um, and one of the things that I ha- I'd have to do was I'd have to approach the scientists who did the work, and uh, I'd have to ask them, why should people care about this? And it's kind of, I kind of felt like an asshole asking them that but it was just part of my trade I just had to do that and they'd come up with an answer you know which was more or less satisfying or plausible but you know in this day and age they they have to be able to do that when they're justifying grant applications or you know trying to get the media on site but I don't envy them it's it's not easy I mean even I've worked in climate change and bushfires and I can easily point to reasons why people should care but that that doesn't mean that that they will care
2: yeah well, can I just say, tell the, the listeners hmm. um, this funny story that um, I was teaching a class a couple of years ago on kind of global issues and global problems, I think it was called. Um, and the assessment was the students had to look up a, we, we learned about a range of issues and then had to write a kind of scientific piece convincing me of uh, of a position on global issue on a, a particular global issue. Mm-hmm. So I ran to an English teacher, and they said, oh, look, I, I was kind of working out my scaffolds for the students and giving them examples. And I said to an English teacher, oh, look, you know, do you have um, an annotated scaffold for kind of scientific writing? And they said, oh, sure. Um, here's an article by someone named Hamish Carr in <laughs> Cosmos. <laughs> so, in the smallness of the world, and just... Uh,
1: Worlds of colliding. It,
2: yeah. And that was, that was held was up a as a bad example, world. correct? It was a wonderful example.
1: Oh. oh yes. yes. I
2: think That's it was about calm. viruses if I remember correctly.
1: Ah, uh, yes. I, I remember that article actually. <laughs> viruses are fascinating people. Um, That's right. we actually had a podcast, Paul Young, I believe his name is Professor from Queensland talking about viruses and about placental mammals and how the whole reason that, that we exist is because of a virus. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. That's a cool little connection there. Yes, yeah. So, um, sorry, go on. Uh, yeah, so um, yeah, so that was a
2: yeah, small world, and mm. Uh, mm.
1: Uh, I've lost my
2: train of thought now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that <laughs> happens. That's the internet's fault. Uh, for those of you who caught our last <laughs> podcast, <laughs> where we spoke about how the internet is changing the way you think, look, let's just quickly touch on another question before we sign sure. off. Um, I uh, noticed the twenty fifteen question. I'm surprised that it didn't come up earlier. What do you think about machines that think, um, I've got a little bit of a a bugbear, a a high horse, it's a a pet peeve of mine, is the use of the term AI, artificial intelligence, it's everywhere, it's rampant, everyone just assumes it's out there, it exists, and I'm telling you people, it does not, artificial Mm. intelligence is not what we think it is, so let me explain. Mm. Yes. there's a, a fascinating history of people trying to understand the human mind which is a pretty damn complicated thing if you ask me uh, and some of these people have used computers uh, they've even tried to get computers to you know simulate or, or model some aspects of the human mind to figure out how our mind works and it's not easy um, but some of these people have also gone off and have gotten computers to tackle certain challenges or questions A famous example being how to play chess, or more recently, how to play Go. And it turns out we can get some computers to be bloody good at this. But they don't work anything at all like the way human mind works. So what what we're seeing uh, around the internet and around technology and society Mm. is incredible uses of computers, mind-blowing stuff, computers doing amazing things um, with just about no resemblance whatsoever to the way the human mind works. So, we need to get rid of the term artificial yep. intelligence and just call it computers doing cool stuff or stuff we want them to do. End of my rant. Thank you very much, Kevin.
2: Oh, I like that actually I, and <laughs> that's I think that's an that's an excellent point because I think the you know when I looked at that question, my response i mean it's pretty much straightforward. They scare the crap out of me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, and I think it's um, the first thing that came to mind is, that idea of kind of linking to what you're saying is you know machines that think the first question I had was what does it mean about what we assume we assume human where have we gotten to mm-hmm. in terms of what thinking is
0: mm.
2: you know and the series of thoughts that are um, that are connected to that leading up to you know determining, and making decisions etc and um, I think I, I see you. That's an, you make an excellent point that mm. maybe we're basically talking about a computational kind of
1: <laughs> intelligence rather than. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly powerful. No question about right. that. Let's not confuse resemblance to the human mind with, um, you know, a lack of power or power. Um, absolutely, you know. Yeah. It, you know it's in the media everywhere the algorithms controlling Facebook and influencing elections and and all yeah. the rest of it machine learning um, definitely huge implications which we can talk about another time but yeah just just the use of the term AI just you know annoys me slightly because I think also if
2: as a society if we if we uh, if we really value that type of analysis that type of thinking you know kind of you know um, then I think the way that we you know, so the, the 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 wider, the bigger picture, that we are capable of, then we may be value. guess You know, if that makes sense, that that mm-hmm. concern. So we're looking at it, saying, oh, yeah, the raw power is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we value that, but then what are we devaluing in that
1: state? Yeah, yeah. Look, with all due respect to mm-hmm. the human species, uh, we're great tool makers. Maybe not <laughs> so great at uh, understanding and you know moderating our use of tools. We've yes. kind of you know, made a few changes to the planet and to ourselves. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's it's all in train. It's all still happening now. And who knows where we're headed, other than uh, potentially to the end of this particular podcast episode of Science of the Local. Yes. <laughs> um, Good talking to you, Hamish. Yes, always a pleasure, Kevin. Thank you very much. And I hope I can pick your brain again about some more of these edge questions. And there's another topic I'd love to talk to you about. I reckon an excellent topic for a future episode, would be the creators of the theme music for our current season of Science at the Local, They Might Be Giants. Are you Uh, familiar with their children's album, Here Comes Science? uh, No, actually, but I did see them. It's pretty much the album of the century, if you ask me. Um, Fantastic songs about science, very accessible. And I reckon we could do one or two uh, episodes where we drill down and discuss and listen to some of these great songs. So uh, stay tuned, listeners. Uh, hope we, Hopefully we can get around to that sometime soon. All right, bye for now. Bye. You've been listening to the Science of the Local podcast, available on iTunes, soundcloud.com slash science of the local, and all good podcast providers. Science of the Local is not just a podcast. It's also a series of bimonthly talks by expert and engaging scientists delivered in a cosy setting to the good folk of the Blue Mountains. To find out more, go to facebook.com slash science at the local. Science at the Local is run by me, Hamish Clark, and Kevin Joseph. We're supported by Springwood and Winmalee Neighbourhood Centres, and in 2017 by the Inspiring Australia Program of the Australian Government. By listening to this podcast, you accept our end-user licence agreement.
0: Science is real from the beginning.